Welcome to episode five of Living a Life of Passion and Purpose. I am so glad that you joined me here today. Hey, just to catch you up to speed, we're diving into the book of Exodus in these coming weeks, and the goal is for Wednesdays in the Word that we would get into a chapter of the book of Exodus each week. So last week we wrapped up Exodus 3, and today we will go through Exodus 4. So as we dive in, I want you to think about, is there a time where you have felt the call of God in your life to do something bold and that he's asked you to step and faithfully use your abilities even when you felt inadequate or uh, you doubted that you could do something. Think of a time when that maybe happened to you and that's kind of the way that the book of Exodus, the chapter of Exodus 4 starts out where Moses is doubting. Um, He is a created being by God and he's limited in knowledge. He's in need of help and he's delaying in obedience to what the Lord has called and asked him to do. But the Lord is sure. He's creator and all-knowing. He's our helper, and he will give us the words and the actions and abilities to do things when we doubt ourselves. So as we go through Exodus 4, just starting out in verse 1, I love to look at different versions in the Bible. And uh, I start with NIV, and so it talks about how Moses is answering the Lord and doubting him, saying, what if they do not believe me or listen to me? In another version of the Bible, the New Living Translation, it says protested. So Moses is definitely, in a sense, debating with the Lord. But then the Lord shows him different proofs of things that he can use to show them that he is who he is and he's powerful and he will uh, be by his side. And so he says, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob, has appeared to you. So he gives him evidences to... uh, to show the people that he will be leading that the Lord is with him, even when he doubts himself. Another thing he says he could do is put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses puts his hand inside his cloak in verse 6, and the, the skin was leprous, but then it became as white as snow. So then he puts his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. This is another example of how the Lord says, I will be with you. I will show them my powers. He then says in verse 8, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they believe the second. So he gives him miraculous signs to prove that the Lord is all-powerful and is the one who empowers him. The third sign he then says is to take the water from the Nile and pour it onto the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So this is maybe the most uh, climatic response that Moses gives, gives the Lord. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, so not a good speaker, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech. So another way to say that is that he was clumsy with his words. And I just love the way that the Lord responds to him in verse 11. He just says, 
who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes the deaf mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. This is a direct command. In verses 11 and 12, the Lord is saying, essentially, why do you doubt me? I am the one who is all-powerful and I will show you the way. And people will see that I am the one who gives sight. I am the one that um, restores all things. I give you your mouths. I give you your, your hearing. I give you your sight. Yet, as human beings, we have this doubting in us. Why is it that we doubt the Lord? Because we know that he can empower us and that when we depend on him fully, amazing things can happen in through us. But it's our sinful nature and we wrestle with it. So can you think of a time, maybe you thought of that time as we opened up today and really think of that time again now. And why is it um, that we wrestle with this sin? Is it insecurity? Is it excuses? Is it doubt? What is it for you that's underneath the surface that uh, makes it so that you feel like you should doubt what the Lord might be saying for you to do? The Lord is anger and he will has anger and it will burn against us when we disobey. But nothing is going to thwart the Lord's plans and he's unstoppable. So Moses... um, then the Lord is talking to him and he says, what about your brother Aaron the Levi? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak. So he brings the helper alongside Moses, even though Moses was disobeying and the Lord felt anger, he wanted his plan to be accomplished. And so he provides a helper to walk alongside Moses in ministry. And so this is key. There are so many times that even when we doubt the Lord, He is so merciful and full of grace. He continues to lavish his blessings upon us. And I would love for you to just think again of a time where you were maybe doubting, yet the Lord proved himself faithful and showed you that he was not going to leave your side and provided even more help for you like he does here for Moses. So the Lord is helper. The Lord is merciful and gracious. And so he says how Aaron will speak to the Israelites as if he were Moses' mouth. And then he has Moses still perform the signs, the miracles that he had him do. So Moses goes back to his father-in-law. And um, as he goes back to him, he says, go and I wish you well. And then the Lord had said to Moses in Midian, go back to Egypt for all of those who wanted to kill you are dead. So he takes his wife back. Uh, started back to Egypt, and as he took the staff of God in his hand, the Lord said to Moses, When you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. I have empowered you. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. And so, as it continues on, um, he says that, But you refuse to let him go, so I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses was about to kill him. Okay, so this is... Yet the Lord uh, takes... has grace upon him again because Zipporah takes a knife and cuts the foreskin and touches Moses' feet with it. Okay? Off of their son's feet. So the Lord had commanded for them to circumcise their son And so she does this. 
and this covers the sun as she does that. So surely you are bringing with blood to me, she said. So the Lord let let him alone. And so we again see how the Lord provides a helper for Moses when he hadn't followed through what the Lord had asked him to do with the circumcision. Zipporah is there to follow through and to do it on their behalf. He performs it on their son and, and touches Moses' feet with it. And so then they are all covered because of uh, what she had done. So then the Lord says to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he's going, uh, I love to kind of ask where and why questions. Where was he going? So it's Arabia, the Mount of God in Horeb, where the Lord appeared to Moses. This is where they were going to meet. So he met Moses at the mountain of God and kissed him. And then Moses told Aaron everything the Lord had sent him to say. Uh, They brought together all of the elders of the Israelites, which was the heads of the families. And Aaron told them everything the Lord had said to Moses performed the signs before the people and they believed and when they heard the Lord was concerned about them they had seen their misery they bowed down in worship there's so many passages here in Exodus that were just drawn to worship or drawn to bow down as we see that uh, the Lord is all powerful and nothing will thwart his plans so as we close I'd love for you to ask yourself some of these questions and as you dig into Exodus 4 what is a way that you relate to Moses in this lesson What lessons can you learn from his life? How is Moses disobeying God? And so also, as we started out, we talked about that time where you maybe felt fear or inadequacy consume you and you delayed in obedience. So what was that underneath the surface that caused you to delay in obedience? It's so important that we live a life of obedience in discipleship to the Lord because uh, that's what he's looking for is obedience and not looking back, but looking ahead, striving towards the things of him and his purposes over our life each day, to live a life that's reverent in full submission and dependence um, to our King and the worship of him over our lives. So I hope that this was an encouragement to you today, and uh, you can spend the next week looking ahead in Exodus 5. We'll jump back into it together uh, next Wednesday. Thanks for joining me, and I'll catch you next time. Welcome to episode six of Living a Life of Passion and Purpose. I am so glad that you joined me today. It is just a privilege to have you here. So thanks for carving out your time to just dive into the book of Exodus together. Well, today we are going to jump right into Exodus 5. And I want for you to just think about what your mindset is about God. Um, You know, do you worship him in times of hardship or do you doubt him do you run to him and sing his praises and pursue time with him or do you consume yourself with worry are you prone to worry this is something the lord's really working on in my heart lately and we just need to remember that when hardship comes not if but when We are to meet with God and remember that he is sovereign. So as I start in the book of Exodus 5, it's just really the character of God and who he says he is that I'm reminded of as I plod through Exodus 5. 
So it starts out with Moses and Aaron, and they met with God. They are examples of ones who have a heart that is submitted to the Lord and really go to him and offer their sacrifices to him, knowing who he is. Pharaoh, on the other hand, doubts God. He worships self, and he's just the opposite of how Moses and Aaron go about things. So when I look at the text, I like to appropriately observe it, then interpret it, and then apply it. So as I go through, uh, that was just right there. Even, you know, I compare and contrast how Moses and Aaron are, how Pharaoh was. And you can just kind of draw conclusions as you observe the text about um, different characters, different uh, characteristics of God and what he's trying to teach you and each of us as we work through his word. So as we dive into Exodus 5, pretty much Exodus 1 through 4 is talking about uh, Moses and Aaron going to Pharaoh and that the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so that they may hold a festival to me in the wilderness. Pharaoh said, who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord and will not let Israel go. So you can see that Pharaoh has a hardened heart. And Aaron and Moses attest to the fact that the Lord has met with them in verse 3. And they're pleading to take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices. It just astounds me that they long for the wilderness. They long to be in that place where the presence of God is. But the king says, of Egypt says to Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to work. So it continues to progress, and, uh, you know, Moses, his oppression, excuse me, Pharaoh, the oppression is intensifying. The workload that he gives them is just almost too much to bear. So the Israelites seem to be losing heart and turning against Moses as we keep reading. In verse 10 and 11, it says the slave drivers and the overseers went and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubbles to use for straw. This was in verse 11 and 12. The slave drivers keep pressing them in verse 13 and in verse 14. Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelites, overseers. They had appointed demanding why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite overseers went and appealed to Pharaoh, why have you treated your servants this way? So Pharaoh continues to intensify this workload. And as we see in verse 19 and 20, the Israelites see that they were in trouble and they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required of you for each day. When they left Pharaoh, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet with them. So and they said, May the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. So the Israelites are turning on Moses and Aaron. They're doubting that God is good. They're doubting his character. And how easy is it to blame in times of hardship when we really need to look to the Lord? We need to know that hardship happens and trials will come 
And it's how we respond in those times that are training ground for the next trial that will come. I always remember a teacher of mine would say, you're either in a storm or a storm is coming. So it's in those in-between times of how we prepare ourselves, rehearsing our trust in the Lord and knowing his character that really um, counts because when those trials come to turn our back and to doubt the Lord's hand and faithfulness and sovereignty is not what we are called to. We are called to a life of trust and submission and faith over fear. And so this just comforts my soul as I've been thinking through these things lately, that my heart before the Lord is most important. I think of the verse that talks about how man looks at the outward appearance and it's so easy to get consumed in this world and what people may or may not think of us, but really what the Lord says about our hearts and how he, um, if he sees that we are trusting him and our motives and our hearts are pure before him, that is what's most important. So Moses, though, has a heart that returns to the Lord. We see that he, rather than doubt, turns to the Lord. He still questions him about what's happening and is wrestling, but he's trusting God and and bringing his worries before the Lord rather than blaming or running from God and doubting his goodness and his character. So he says, why, Lord, in verse 22, why have you brought trouble on the people? Is this why you sent me? So he's wrestling, is this what my purpose was for? To see that the people will just get into trouble. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has brought trouble on this people. And you have not rescued your people at all. So it makes me think of the verse in James 1, 2 through 4, that says, Consider it joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kind. For you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And so we know that it's not an if, but when we face trials, that we are to consider it joy. Does this mean we're happy about the trials? No, by no means. But joy means that we have a secure trust in the joy that is ours because of who we are in Christ and the hope that we have in the gospel. And so this hope superpasses, supersedes any uh, hardship that can come our way because we have a greater hope. And so this is something I just challenge you in today and encourage you is that, you know, have you ever had a similar moment to what Moses and Aaron were going through in just wrestling, what are you doing here, Lord? Yet you turn to him. More than, in addition to that, more hardship is heaped upon the Israelites. Why does this cause Moses to question the Lord's plan? So really think about that. Why is he questioning what the Lord's doing? Yet he has returned to the Lord, though, and he's still doing it out of a heart, you know, going to the Lord and laying his request before him. So the last takeaway that I will challenge you with today and encourage you in is that while this is extremely challenging to go through hardship and be left wondering as they were here in Exodus 5, why and what can we trust in about God and his plan and timing and character? What is something when you have been faced with a hardship that you could really look at and say, you know what, this is what the Lord was trying to teach me in this time, and this is where I can trust him. So he is good, he is faithful, and he is true to his promises, and even when it seems bleak and 
you're going through hard times or times of wandering, um, times of oppression, there's freedom in Christ and uh, he calls us to this life. So have peace and know that he is our peace. Um, He calls us to come to him when we're weary and heavy laden and he will give us rest to learn from him. So um, he loves you. He's for you. He has great plans to prosper you. And so press into the things of his kingdom and his purposes, even when it seems unclear, remind yourself of his character and his goodness and that he's working on your behalf. So thanks again for joining me today. And I just look forward to catching up with you next time as we dive into Exodus 6. Catch you next time.